Alrighty, alrighty, alrighty. Well, good morning, good morning. Glad you're here this morning. Uh, we've got a great, great series that we are in today called From This Day Forward. If you are just joining us today for the first time, welcome to our Savior's Church. If you are a guest here, thanks for being here with us. And on behalf of all of our staff, thanks again so much for being here. Uh, hey, OSC family, can we let our guests know we're glad to see them? Thanks for being here. So glad you're here. We are in this series, and this, this whole series, usually in the month of February, we always do some type of relationship series, and, and this series kind of has two purposes to it. First off is for those that are in here that are single, uh, come on, can I get a whoop whoop for the single people in the house? Yeah, I'm not going to make you raise your hand this time, uh, but if you are single in here, uh, this series is really just to kind of help put some tools in your, in your soon-to-be marriage bag to help you have a successful marriage, and also to help you get ready for that, that big day. And then for those that are here that are married, come on, can I hear it from some married people in the house? All right. Uh, if you're married, we, we wanna, we're going to walk through four kind of commitments that we're going to make to fail-proof our marriage uh, to kill the idea of being divorced at some time. And we, we said last week, Really, there's kind of a 50% chance that you have to make it right now with the way culture is, and uh, we're trying to increase those odds in this series. And, and the reason we called it from this day forward was we took it from the lines that you say actually in your vows to one another, and, and one of the lines is to have and to hold from this day forward. And so we said, listen, you know, we all understand that we've probably made some, some marital or relational mistakes in our marriages. Come on, how many made some mistakes? Uh, we've all made some mistakes, and, uh, and, and hopefully your spouse isn't that mistake. Um, that would be good. <laughs> but we, we've made a commitment that, hey, listen, we might not be able to change the past, but from this day forward, things can be different. And so that's what this series is all about. And, uh, I, you know, I know when we do a series like this, oftentimes, if you are single, you can kind of check out, kind of feel like, man, I just kind of feel like I'm, I'm not in the loop of everything that's going on because I don't have a spouse or whatever. And so <clears throat> because of that, I want to make sure to include you throughout this series. And so I thought on the front end, um, being that it's Valentine's Day, you might need a date tonight. And so I wanted to help you out. I want to I help you out. And so if you need a date... I wanted to give you some great Christian pickup lines that maybe you could use to get you a date. Okay, y'all want to hear some of these? Okay, I got some for you. So if you're single, you might want to take some notes, okay? Uh, They're not in your notes, but you might want to take one. Here's a couple of them. Last night I was reading the book of Numbers and realized I don't have yours. (laughs) How about this one? Hey, my name is Will, God's Will. (laughs) so cheesy. Um, how about this one? Hey man, you put stud in Bible study. <laughs> uh, here's another one. N- now I know why Solomon had 700 wives. He never met you. <laughs> That's bad. That's bad. <clears throat> I didn't know angels flew this low. <clears throat> I like this one. This is one of my favorite. How many times do I have to walk around you for you to fall for me like the walls of Jericho? <laughs> Uh, the, this one is my favorite. <laughs> Excuse me. I believe one of your ribs belongs to me. 
And last but not least, what's your name and number so I can add you to my prayer list? All right. Don't write these down. Don't. You're not allowed to ever use these. Don't, don't, don't let me hear you using these. Uh, listen, if you are single and, and someone asks you if you're single, hey, are you single? Here's, your, here's what your response should be. Your response should be, yes, I'm single. And if you want to change that, you better be amazing. Come on, you like that one? All right. If you want to change that, you better be amazing. Hey, we're making four commitments in this series, and I, wanna, I want us to write these things down again. If you got some notes, wave them at me just real quick so I can see we are a note-taking church. And so I want you to follow along, take some notes with us. We believe that taking notes helps bring longevity to the message. And you can, you'll see some binders that some people are snapping. Those are free, by the way, on the outside. When you go out in the, in the foyer, you can get you a free binder and keep all the message notes together. But uh, we're going we're gonna to fill in a couple things real here. Here's four commitments we're making in this series. First one, last week we talked about, does anybody remember? We talked about to seek God. Seek God. That we are going to be a people, no matter what, we are going to seek God. I can just tell you this, it doesn't matter what I talk about today or in part three or in part four. If you don't get part one, if you don't get part one, your marriage will not last. We've got to make a commitment to seek God. If you haven't, uh, if you weren't here last week for that message, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to uh, that message and learn about how to seek God in your marriage and the importance of us seeking God together. Today, we're going to be talking about fight fair. How do we fight fair? We know that in marriage, conflict is inevitable. It's not a question of if you're going to fight. It's a question of how are you going to fight. So we'll talk a lot more in detail about that. Number three, next week, which will be a, a, a good one, is have fun. How many know marriage is supposed to be fun? Y'all know what I mean? It's not supposed to be endured. It's supposed to be fun. And uh, how many want to have some fun in your marriage? And, uh, and let's have some fun together. So next week, we're going to have some fun as we talk about how to have fun. And I said that this is the romantic one out of all three, out of all four weeks. And so if you have any children that are under the age of 13, I would encourage you to take them to the OSC Kids Ministry because uh, we're going to talk about the romantic side of that and, and how can we have fun in relationships and in our marriage. And uh, I encourage you to be here for that one. And then number four, stay pure. I mean, no, we, if we want to have different results than the world, we've got to do something different than the world does. And when it comes to purity, the world does not understand that. And when it comes to marriage and singlehood, how do we stay pure and honor God in those areas of our lives? And so those are the four commitments that we're going to be making and the four uh, things we'll be looking at in this series. Um, Let me give you two verses to kind of kick off this fight fair message today. And uh, I'm going to give you two. The first one, these, these I don't think are in your, in your notes. I didn't put them in there. One is for the men and one is for the women. And so the first one I'm going to give is to the men. Do I got any men in the house? Can I hear a good grunt for some men? I think I heard a bark, a bark in there or something. I said more of a grunt, but that's okay. Um, so here's the men. Listen, guys, here's a verse. This Proverbs 27, 15, a quarrelsome wife is like a constant dripping on a rainy day. Drip, drip, and all the guys are silent right now because you know. All right, here's, here's one for the ladies. Do I got any ladies in the house? All right, ladies, here's one for you. I can't just, I can't just rag you. I got to give you something for the men. This is, what, this is one for the ladies. It is better to have severe hemorrhoids than to live with a husband who is a jerk. That's found in 2 Joshua chapter 3, verse 7. Y'all, 
Y'all understand there is no second Joshua, right? I just made that verse up. I just figured the, the women would like, it should be in the Bible, right, women? Severe hemorrhoids to a husband who's a jerk. Okay. <clears throat> if I wrote a book, that's what it would be. Okay. Uh, so here's the question we're asking. How do we go, how do we go from fighting for each other or fighting with each other to fighting for each other? How do we move from a, 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 a married couple who fights for each other? How do we get to that point instead of just fighting with each other? That's really the question that we're going to be asking today. How many know conflict always brings out the worst in you? Anybody? It just conflict has the ability to bring out the worst in, in you and I. And, uh, and oftentimes when it's extremely stressful, it's extremely overwhelming, it's easy to believe that we're sleeping with the enemy. I mean, you think that sometimes we think that our spouse is the enemy. And so before we get into the practical side of how to fight fair, I feel like we've got to lay the groundwork of this one idea first. And here's your one big idea right now. Your spouse is not your enemy. Look at if your spouse is by you, look at them and say, you're not the enemy. Tell them. Yeah, you need to tell them that. Okay. Because you probably told them the opposite a lot of times. So we need to go ahead and set that straight. You're not the enemy. So before we go any further, I want to share with you two things that are the enemy of your marriage. Here's the first one. Selfishness. Selfishness is the enemy of any great relationship. Now let me say this. As we're talking about this idea of fighting fair, for those in here that are not married, or maybe you're divorced, listen to me. What we're going to talk about today has to do with all relationships. It's not just applicable to marriage. This, this is applicable about your relationship with coworkers or your boss or, or, or family or friends or neighbors. Any relationships that you have that can have conflict, you can apply all of these same principles to this. And the first one that you see that is one of the great enemies of any relationship is selfishness. Let me, let me prove it to you. James chapter 4, look with me in James chapter 4, verse 1. And this is what it says. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among us? You ever ask that question? Why do we fight so much? God gives us the answer. This is what he says. Is it not this, that your passions are at war? What's those next two words? Within who? Within you. So this verse makes it very clear that the root problem in most of our conflict is not your spouse. It is you. It's you and me. We are a lot of the issues. Now, with that being said, let me just share something with you. Especially for those that maybe are, are bachelors or bachelorettes right now, let me give you some words of wisdom before you move into this idea of marriage. You know, when you are single, really life is just amazing for the most part. You get to do what you want, spend the money the way that you want, go wherever you want. Come on, isn't that true? I mean, there's really no limitations, especially if you're out on your own. Now, if you're still living with your parents, there might be some limitations there. But if you're out on your own, for the most part, you can do what you want, spend the money the way you want, hang out with whoever you want. I mean, it's just pretty much a free life. You are free and free indeed. Now, here's the problem, though. When we get married, though, we don't realize your wedding is actually more of a funeral, and here's why. Because when you got married, you died. And it went from me to 
to us, to we. It is no longer me. And some of the greatest conflict that happens in the first couple of years of marriage, it happened between Lindsay and I, is I felt like I was still a bachelor. I wanted to spend my money the way I wanted to spend it. I wanted to go hang out with the guys when I wanted to go hang out with them. I wanted to go do my thing. And and I just got a quick reminder. It's not just me anymore. It is now we. And marriage has a way of bringing out all that selfishness. It was all about you whenever you were single. But now when you got married, you died. And now it's all about we. And selfishness is one of the greatest causes of conflict in our lives. How many would be agree with that? You are selfish. I'll have you turn to your spouse and tell them you're selfish. No, we're not going to do that, okay? (laughs) Because they're not the problem. We are. Okay, all right. So selfishness is one of the first enemies. Here's your second one. The second enemy of your marriage. Satan. Satan despises great marriages. He despises. He hates them. He hates them. And and let me show you that. So Ephesians chapter 6 says this. For we are not fighting. Okay, now watch this. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. That's what this is saying is your spouse is not your enemy. You're not fighting your spouse. You're not fighting people. It says we're not fighting against people. But here, here's what you are fighting against. But you're fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Your spouse is not your, come on, let's say it again. Your spouse is not your enemy. Selfishness and Satan are your enemies. Now, the reality is that all couples will fight. Why? Selfishness and Satan. They're going to fight. We are going to fight. That's, that's the thing. But here's the truth that we've got to get deep down inside of us. Healthy couples fight fair. Unhealthy couples fight dirty. Healthy couples fight fair. Unhealthy couples fight dirty. Healthy couples fight for resolution. Unhealthy couples fight for victory. Right? Unhealthy couples fight because I want to win. And I'm going to do whatever it takes for me to wave the banner that I want. That's, that's actually fighting dirty. Healthy couples fight fair. There's a guy by the name of Dr. John Gottman. He was a marriage specialist. He specialized in, in helping marriages. And he uh, reviewed 16 years of marriage with, with thousands and thousands of couples that he watched uh, that were married over this 16 years. And now watch this. He, he discovered that he could figure out, he could watch a couple and watch them fight. And he could figure out with 91% accuracy if they were going to stay together or get a divorce. By just watching them fight. He, he could say, I'll watch y'all fight. I'm going to sit back and watch you fight. And then 9 out of 10, I can get right that either you're going to make it or you're not going to make it. And here's how he had the ability to determine if they were going to make it or not make it. It wasn't the fact that if they were going to fight that determined if they were going to make it or not. It was how they fought that determined if they were going to make it or not. He watched the way that they fought, and the way they fought determined to him, showed him. He could tell them, look at them and say, you're not going to make it, just by the way that they fought. So with that being said, I now want to try to give you guys as much practical wisdom, and we're going to dive into the Bible and find out how do we fight fair. 
But I don't want to do this alone. So I'm going to invite my Valentine up to the stage. Would you give it up for my wife, Lindsay Belt, as she comes forward? How you doing, my love? I don't think it's on. Oh. Yep. There you go. All right. Nope. nope. Yes. We good? No. All right. We can get that unmuted. No. You on? No. No. All right. We'll figure that out. The lights are on. Okay. Well, I guess you're not supposed to talk. Um, we'll get that figured out. We'll get those guys to get that figured out. Um, you know, the, <laughs> the funny thing about this series is uh, I, I had talked to Lindsay this week. Is it on now? Yes. There we Thank go. You. Great job. All right. Uh, I talked to Lindsay this week uh, looking at the four messages that we're doing, and I had called her this week and said, hey, I, I would really like you to, uh, to share with me, and I think if there's any message that you would want to share with me, it'd be this one, because I don't think you want to do the next week one with me. <laughs> I'm good. She said, no, I'm good. Um, and so, uh, so she said yes, and, um, and so we were preparing uh, this week for it, and, and last night I took her out on a date. Do you want to add something already? No, no. <laughs> you can. Uh, I took her out on a date last night, and we came back home, and we're 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 going through the message on, you know, how to how do we impart to you guys how to fight fair, and we're fighting on how to fight fair. Last night. So last night we fought on how to do a message with you on how to fight. Um, and the so funny this thing is, nice is the funny thing is, he goes. What's something silly we fought over? And I'm like, the fact that we're fighting over a fighting message could be considered silly. And we were busting out laughing. So Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, let me just say this as we, we are about to share. Uh, you're not going to just see the things that we've learned well. You're going to hear a lot of, of where we, we still struggle and where we, um, you know, we, we still fight. And because um, I know you think that pastors don't fight, I'm sure. <laughs> and so that's not the case at all. Uh, and so today we hope that through the things that we've learned, but then also through the things that we still struggle with, that you are encouraged and, and hopeful and these help. So let's get right to the notes. Uh, if you want to take your first notes, three rules on how we fight fair. Three rules on how to fight fair. Here's your first one. We're going to look actu- actually at this verse first, and then, and then I'll give you the first one. Um, it's James. Can we throw that up real quick? James chapter 1 and verse 19 and 20. And it says this. It says, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be, what are those three words? Come on, let's say it out loud. Be quick to hear. Be slow to speak and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Does not produce the righteousness of God. So we're going to take this verse right here, and this is going to be the premise and the structure of how we learn how to fight fair. So fill in your first note here. Here's your first one. First rule is we've got to learn to stop and listen carefully. Stop and listen carefully. How many of you know that when we are in a confrontation or an argument, we are not quick to listen. We are quick to speak. We're quick to speak. Uh, we're quick to argue back. We're quick to make our point. We're quick to, to share what's on our heart, to, to let the person know what's going on. And this verse specifically tells us that we need to be slow to listen. We need to, we need to hear. We need to listen to what the other person is saying. Let me give you another verse. It's in your notes as well. Proverbs eighteen two. Look at this one. 
Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only expresses his opinion. Come on, that's a little bit more direct there, right? This is what it says. It says, if you have diarrhea of the mouth and you can't stop talking, the Bible calls you a fool. That's what we are. If we can't quit talking, we can't listen. We've been given two ears, one mouth. But if we can't stop and listen, the Bible calls us a fool. And that's the Bible. That's God. He's telling us that. Now, I know in, uh, in premarital counseling, Lindsay and I did premarital counseling before we got married, which in April we'll celebrate 13 years of marriage. Yeah. And I think a funny thing to point out was um, one week we get in and he said, so um, uh, what are you going to do when you fight? And I said, at premarital, counseling. at premarital counseling. And I said, we don't fight. And um, he said, well, when you, you will. And I said, <laughs> naive and serious as I was, I thought, no, we, are, we don't fight. We're not going to fight. And it didn't take much long of <laughs> being married to realize how wrong I was. But I mean, you couldn't have told me any different that we were not going to fight. And then we had children. <laughs> uh, so one of the things in premarital that he had told us, and it's really kind of always stuck with me. Honestly, I think it's the only thing that's ever stuck with me in premarital was he, he, he had said, we need to seek to understand more than trying to be understood. And we should always be, in, especially in the midst of conflict, seeking to understand more than trying to get our point across so they understand our point, that we would try to seek to understand what the other person is trying to say more than, more than we're trying to let them know. And I know a lot of that has, for us personally, and maybe, Lindsay, you can speak to this, is um, our personalities. And... And just, I'm a guy, you're a girl, and there's some differences there. So you want to speak to that, kind of how that's played out in not listening? Yes. Um, personalities are different, and but we're both, I'd say, pretty strong-willed. And so um, I feel like the biggest thing is, like, put down the boxing gloves. Like, no, we're not in a match together. And for so long I thought... That in any disagreement, like, someone has to be right and someone has to be wrong. So we're going to sit here and figure this out to find out who's right and wrong. And I don't want to give away too much, but, um, but I'll say just a little bit about the Respect for the Years Bible study that um, we're doing with Miss Tracy. The biggest point that, like, so has changed things for me is, um, okay, God made men and women differently. God made man. God made woman. If you've noticed, uh, we're different. Like that saying, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Well... Um, in a disagreement, uh, not that sometimes there are definitely rights and wrongs, but not wrong, but different. So we're coming into a disagreement with two varying different differences of opinion and that not that any of them can be wrong, but they're just different. And it's like, if you can really understand what they're saying by that, um, I could give you a great example if you're not, uh, kind of catching me. So a few days after this Bible study and I heard that, it seems so dumb now to say say it, but I had um, called Josh with a decision, and I really do try to make decisions on my own, but with this one, we're trying to save money. We're going to Colorado next week with Joel, so I was trying to handle money, and plans changed, and so um, I, it 
it does. It sounds so dumb now to say it, but I will. So the plans were that I was going to go to Crowley to pick up uh, some of the boys' friends. And since I was, I was going to go, because they're trying to save money, I was going to get Mr. Gaddy's pizzas, and they're $5. So I was going to save Caesars. money. Little Caesars, sorry. Uh, Little Caesars, $5 pizzas. So I was going to drive, spend the gas, get the pizzas, pick up the kids, and come back. Well, plans changed. Now the kids are going to be brought to my house. Well, Pizza Hut's more expensive. So I was trying to figure out, like, is it better to go drive and spend the money and get cheaper pizzas or stay in gym? and spend more money and so um dumb now but just thinking like i need to just want to talk through this with him well he was at work he was working he was busy and it got like snappy back and forth and so you know and as soon as it gets snappy i don't know how y'all go but you know it's just that back and forth and you end up frustrated and then at some point you're not even talking about what you were in generally <laughs> talking first initially talking about anymore and then later i thought not wrong, different. I'm thinking I want to do what's best for my family and make the wisest decision for us. And he's thinking she can just handle this decision on her own. Not get it, not wrong, just very different ways about it. And those things start conflict. And so, like, that was so incredibly helpful for I'm me. Like, we're fighting over little Caesars. <laughs> Five dollar Caesars. We were hot and ready. Um, it's bad. Let me add to that, though, because the, uh, I'm always hot and ready. Um, so that's, that's next Sunday. Um, so <laughs> just let that sit for a minute. All right. Um, speaking of differences, I, I, and maybe the guys in here, you can relate to this. Uh, you know, I'm a guy. And so I am, when she's talking to me, and, and a lot of times it's not when it's conflict, she's just sharing things that are going on in her life or, or there's decisions that need to be made or she just wanting to share what's going on. I am, by nature, Mr. Fix-It. I don't know any guys in here that are like this. Like, I want to fix the problem. So when she's sharing something with me, I'm thinking, how do I fix it? So that's what, as she's sharing all this stuff, I'm thinking, how do I fix it? And within a couple minutes of, of whatever is being shared, sometimes within, I feel like even within 10 seconds, I can fix it real quick. But yet she wants to continue to share more of what's going on. I'm like, I've already got it. I've got it figured out. This is what we're going to do. And she's wanting to share her heart. I'm wanting to fix it. And I can automatically get frustrated because I'm like, why are we still talking about this? I've already figured out how this plays out. And so I'm the fix it. She's the talker. And so we even talked about, I mean, this is as of last night, we talked about even how does this play out? Because we get some of the most stupid fights over she doesn't think I care because I, I'm trying to fix it so quickly. And I'm, I'm, I'm in a sense, it, it makes her feel like I'm undermining how important it is and how big it is, but I'm not. I, I just think we can fix it real easy. And I feel like she's trying to make something bigger than it should be. Anybody? Okay, I'm the only one. That's okay. Pray for me. Um, and so that's kind of how this played out. And so maybe even share like what we talked about last night as far as how to help each other because we know our personalities are different and you want to share your heart and I want to fix it, how do we work through making that a reality? Yeah, something we talked through that I think could be really, really helpful because um, if women, if we're honest, we think we, we want them to be able to know what we're thinking without saying it, right? Like we want them to know our needs. We want them to say it. But they just want us to say it. Like, so if we could put that down of being 
wanting to be known without being said, if we could put that desire down and maybe start off a conversation by either saying, hey, this is a problem I have. I need you to help me fix it or work through it. Or I'm just trying to process something and talk through something. Would you want to just, could you just listen to this? So that way he knows, like he may on stand down. He just needs to listen or he knows, okay, I need to be in fix it mode. Cause sometimes like I'll ask a question like last night, like, so what can we, what should we do? And he's silent, um, cricket, cricket. And I'm like, cause he wasn't cause I was knowing listening. if I was so just could be super helpful is before the conversation is started is to kind of say your intentions about what you're wanting and just say that beforehand. It seems like every time I listen, she wants me to fix it. And every time I'm trying to fix it, she wants me to listen. Anybody, any guys in here recognize that? Okay. All right. Thank you for my misery. We're miserable together. Um, okay. So that's the first one. Stop and listen carefully. Here's the second one. Write this one down. Guard my words faithfully. We need to guard our words faithfully. Proverbs 10, 19. Here's two verses for us. Proverbs 10, 19. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensitive and keep your mouth shut. We have that verse? Put that up there. Too much talk. We don't have it. Too much talk leads to sin, but be sensible and keep your mouth shut. First off, let me just say this. Never quote this verse while you're fighting. <laughs> oh, too many words lead to sin. Shut your mouth. Okay, um... That won't go well. Uh, Proverbs twenty one twenty three, Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of... What's that word? Woo, some good Proverbs, huh? Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. How many of you... Come on, let's be honest. How many of you got into some trouble because of this thing right here? Anybody here? Okay, yeah. So here's, here's kind of the grid, the filter that you can use before you're going to spew whatever you're about to spew, whether if it's truth or not, here's two things you can ask yourself, two practical questions you can ask yourself. First one is, should it be said? Should what I'm about to say be said? And here's the question. Is it going to help the situation? Is what I'm about to say going to bring my spouse closer to me? Or am I going to do the Heisman and push them away? Is what's about to come out of my mouth going to make us draw closer or is it going to push us away? Is it profitable? Should it be said? Should what's about to say be said or not? And then the second one would be what? Should it be said now? And another big thing from marriage counseling that I took away and that I remember, and not that I've always done it correctly, but um, maturity is knowing the right time to bring something up. Because there will be things that you need to talk through and discuss. But when he's walking right in the door from work, it's not the time to discuss that. When the kids are crazy, uh, which can sometimes be often, if we have three boys, for an example, um, or um, bedtime, bath time, those are not great things to bring up big issues, stressful times. So maturity is knowing the right timing to bring those up. And then I would add even the tone of how you bring something up is huge. Like, you know, sometimes you can call them and be like, where are you? And that won't come across very respectful. And just think about, you would never like call a friend and be like, where are you? What are you doing? You would never talk to a friend like that just because, you know, there's this loving relationship here. You know, they're not going anywhere. You know, a friend can leave you, but they're not going anywhere. We can, our tone can definitely be um, yep. wrong also. So, so tone and time, tone, mm-hmm. tone, tone Should and time. Said. Um, let me give you another tip. And that, that is you need to be working on your marriage in non-difficult times. If the only time we're working on our marriage is when we're like fighting, it's just not going to go well for you. 
And so we should always be working on, on our relationships. We should be getting better in our relationships when things aren't at, at uh, level 10. So when things are going well, you should be having questions like, hey, how are you doing? Hey, is there anything that I'm doing that you feel like I shouldn't be doing? Is there anything that I'm doing that you feel I should start doing? You should just start having some of these conversations while everything's going well. Because if the only time you're having those conversations is when everything's not going well, how many know those conversations won't go well? And so learning to have those in non-conflict times. Um, let, let's give you some, some nevers. These are some things that you should never do when you're fighting um, together. And yet again, this could be in any kind of relationship, but here's some things that you should, you should never do. Never call names. Um, if, for those of you who have kids, you ever heard one sibling call another sibling a name? Does it ever end well? No, <laughs> like it ends wrestling on the floor or more yelling. And the same with our spouse. Um, calling them names is never building them up. It's disrespectful. So um, stay away from calling each other names. Second one. We don't. We we are still learning how to do this. So we're not. We have not mastered this one. Never raise your voice. Never raise your voice. How's that going for you? <laughs> they go well. <clears throat> um, when you raise your voice, nothing good comes of it. Right? Anytime they're screaming or yelling, is anything ever good come of that? Absolutely not. It never does. But we go to that rate because we want to be heard, right? So we're not seeking to understand. We're trying to be understood. And so if we're trying to be understood, then we're going to raise the level really high to make sure that my voice is heard. And Lindsay and I still, we still battle through this one. And, and uh, this, this is a hard one. We're still, we're definitely still working through. The next one is never get historical, especially if something's been um, forgiven between the two of you. You don't have to, dredging up the past, bringing up things will never be helpful. Or even like, you act like your mother here, you know, like bringing up past people, like that's never going to go well. It's never helpful. It's never been like, oh, you're, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Like it just, I love my mama. <laughs> so, you know, it, or don't it, be talking about my mama. it just doesn't stay away from bringing up the past. Here's the next one, and Justin Bieber didn't bring this one up. God did. Never say never. Um, never say always. Um, never say you never, and then fill in the blank. Or you always, and then fill in the blank. You never do that. That's not true. It's not true. Um, those are lies. There, there are times. Now, maybe it's been a while since they've done it or haven't done it or whatever it is, but be careful of bringing the nevers and the always into any type of relationship. It's not going to, to fare well uh, for you. The next one is never threaten divorce. Um, in our home, that's not even, that's not something we bring up. It's not something we joke about. It's not something we throw around. I don't threaten him or vice versa with that. Um, it's only going to bring insecurity between the two of you. And um, if you've made that commitment to each other, that's just not a place that um, you need to go because we've committed ourselves to each other before God. We're not going anywhere. I'm not going to threaten you with that. I'm not going to hold it over your head. Um, it brings security for your children when they also don't hear those things between you. Like that is never joked about anything. Yeah. There's a book called the art of war. Um, it's a book actually about, about war. And one of the chapters in there, they talk about how do you, how did you as a commander, they're asking a commander, how did you make sure that your guys, when they went into battle, never, retreated. <laughs> and this is the line that he said in, in this book, The Art of War. He said, when your army has crossed the border, 
you should burn the boats and the bridges in order to make it clear to everybody that you have no hankering to go home. And so literally the commander would say, guys, just want to let you know when we cross the border, we're burning the boats and we're burning the bridges. We're all in. We're all in. And so here's what I say definitely when it comes to this idea of not using divorce as a threatening. Divorce needs to be one of the boats you burn. Burn that boat. Burn that bridge. That's not even an option. It's not on the table. It's not even on the table. You don't have a hankering to go somewhere else. You made a commitment to God. You made a commitment to them. Burn that bridge. And I, I, I put this last one um, in just, I think, probably for myself, is never quote your pastor. Um, don't, don't quote your pastor. Um, just leave me out of it. You know, I mean, leave Pastor Bob out of it. We don't want to be in there. You know, Pastor Josh said, shut your mouth. And so, like, don't. <laughs> like, I don't want to have to do marriage counseling with you two, you know, because you're bitter at me. Um, and by the way, God said that, not me. Okay, all right, so. <clears throat> all right, guard my words faithfully. Let's, let's, let's keep rolling. Uh, here's your third one. Handle my anger righteously. Handle my anger righteously. We're going to stop and listen carefully, guard our mouths faithfully, and we're going to handle our anger righteously. Ephesians 4, 26 through 27. Let's read this. This is what it says. It says, don't sin by letting anger control you. Underline that, control you. Anger can control you. It says, don't let sin by, by uh, letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a, what's that word? A foothold for who? Remember, the second, the second enemy of our marriage is who? Satan. Satan. Okay, so don't give Satan a foothold. And, and here's how you give Satan a foothold is when you are sinning in anger. Now, let me just say this real quick because I need to put this out there. Because you're angry doesn't mean you're sinning. You can be angry and not sin. Really? Yes. There are things that are done that are not right that can, that can lead to you being angry and not being sin. Here's what makes anger sin. How you deal with the anger is what makes it sin. So how you handle your anger, what comes out of your mouth, how you, how you, what, what, what actions you perform out of that anger is what then becomes the sin. The fact that something happened between you and somebody else and you're mad about it, maybe someone's done something to your children and you're mad about it and angry, rightfully so. But then what you do as a response out of that anger is what becomes the sin. And this verse in here says, make sure that you're not going to bed angry. Because when you go to bed angry, you just gave Satan a foothold into your house. Because how many of you know, we, we don't have to be taught on how to go to bed angry. Anybody, anybody know? You assume the attack position in, in the bed at, when you're angry. Back to back, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Back to back. Grand Canyon in the middle. Don't you dare sneak your foot over and touch me. Don't you dare go into enemy territory. That is enemy territory. You stay away from that. Y'all know what I'm saying? Anybody in here? Lindsay's like, don't touch me. You don't get any of this. Okay, none of this. That's how, that's how, that is how it goes. Isn't it? <laughs> uh, or she'll put her cold feet on me. Any guys in here had that one? Get your cold feet off of me. Put some socks on. Um, but in that... Let me, let me say this. In that, there are two types. <laughs> there's a two types of people that fight in bed. There is the silent fighter, and then there's the huffer. <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about, don't y'all? Okay, in our marriage, I'm Mr. Silent. 
So I'll be mad and I'll be quiet. I'll kill her with silence. All right? She'll be mad and she'll be a... I got my back to her and I can feel the eyes and she ain't even looking at me. I see smoke rising. I can smell it in the air. It's, it's thick. And she, she is, because she doesn't like to go to bed angry. I, I mean, I grew up in our house. You were angry. You just stuffed it and then you just went to bed. It's just how it went. And so for 13 years of learning how to do this, it, I, it's, it's taken a while because we'd fight and I'd be like, good night. <laughs> and I'd lay down. And I can hear her over there fluffing the pillow with a little intensity, you know, brushing her teeth really hard, you know, slamming cabinet doors, stomping saying, to the bed. How can you sleep? Saying, how and can you sleep? And then he just won't say anything. Then that makes it worse. Yes, it does make it worse. It does. Yeah. And so I, we, we've learned and we've really, we really have. I think we've really grown in this area. Um, like we don't go to bed angry. Now we might stay up till 6 a.m. I don't know, but we don't go to bed we don't go to bed angry. I say that to say this. Some of you are dealing with issues in your marriage right now because you've years ago, maybe months ago, weeks ago, have just decided we'll just go to bed angry. And do you know this, that when you go to bed angry, when you wake up the next day, it's not better. It's actually worse. You know that, right? And some of you where your marriage is today is because you just had years of just going to bed angry. And so you've lived in anger for so long that now you're bitter, unforgiving, harsh. That's just the reality of some of it. And so what would it look like from this day forward? Listen, you can't change the past. But from this day forward, you and your spouse made a commitment. We're just not going to bed angry. We're going to work through this however much we've got to until surrender happens and there's reconciliation that happens. And so we've got to make this commitment of not going to bed angry. Um, some of you, I know, <clears throat> fight in here. And, and we got, you know, in a room that this size, over 400 people that are coming here to the church, we understand there are many of you that are on different spectrums of fighting. I met a couple earlier, right before the 9 a.m. service, and they said, I know we're talking about fighting fair. We don't even fight. And I said, well, here's, here's why. Your kids aren't in your house anymore, and your husband works five days away. <laughs> He's only home for two days. Of course you're not fighting. Maybe that's the new thing. Guys, just go away. No, I'm joking. Um, of course. Because when you live with somebody all the time, I mean, there's just, there's just conflict, selfishness and all that comes out. But I know that in this room there are those of you who, you know, you got petty stuff. Uh, I get upset that I hate, I hate loud chewers. I hate chewing loud. Okay, anybody in here? I hate, I despise that. And I get upset. And she's just over there eating ice cream. And I'm like, <laughs> and, and that's the thing that I got. That's my own thing. Same here. Same here. <laughs> yeah. And then she's got things with me. Like clothes on the floor when the basket's just right there, you know? Or, um, oh, what was I thinking? Or, say, say the next one. And then Oh, we got another one? Okay. Um, water bottles all in the van and trash. That, 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 that ekes me a little bit. And I'm I, like, we got a trash can right there. You know that, right? Um, 
We can do that. I'm always in a hurry. I have to, I'm justifying. So I have to say that I've given up the, um, I have three boys and a husband. I've given up the toilet seat issue. I just have to check it before. I've conceded on that one. It's not worth the fight. So I'm done with that one. She's taken the plunge a lot of times. Been baptized. Uh, (laughs) Check. Yeah. And, but then, you know, and that's silly and petty and, and, um, and funny and not funny at times. Um, but then I know there's others of you in here that are on the other extreme. And maybe you walked into your house and saw your husband looking at porn. Or maybe your wife has cheated on you. Or you've cheated on her. Or maybe there's some serious physical or emotional abuse that's going on. Or maybe your husband's an alcoholic. Or maybe you are. Or maybe you're strung out on drugs. Or and I know there's that extreme in here, too. And so however much I think we can make light of some of the petty stuff, there's those of you in here that there's some real serious things. And some of you are here giving your marriage a last-ditch effort. And here's what I know, though. If you will make a commitment to seek God and to fight fair, God, in the presence of God, he can heal any relationship, anyone, as long as you will make the commitment to begin to seek God. I know there's some of you in here, your spouse isn't here. You're, you're solo and you're praying for a spouse or, or, or maybe you're praying that your spouse comes to know the Lord. The commitment you make is that you're going to seek God and you're going to fight fair. And that's the commitment that you're going to make to see your marriage or your relationship restored and healed. Come on, how many of you believe God is in, as the God of hope? And God can breathe hope into any hopeless situation. It's what he does best. He is a miracle maker. And he can, if he can raise the dead, he can raise dead marriages. It's what he does. It's what he specializes in. If we'll just be honest. And so I want to close this message out with giving you Four signs, and and this is the last of your notes, four signs that your marriage is in a really rough place and and you need some help. Not only just from God, probably even some help either with a pastor or a counselor or somebody to, to start be a mediator. Here's four signs. And you can find yourself in one of these. The first level is criticizing. Criticizing. You, there's a difference between complaining and criticizing. Complaining is, you know, you told me you were going to do that. You didn't do that. Criticizing, on the other hand, is you never do what you say. You're always this. You're always that. You, you're never. It's those. That's criticizing. And, and some of us, some of you may be at that level. You may be just critical of your spouse. You're always looking for the negative. You're always pointing out the negative. You get critical. If you don't handle it at the critical stage, you go into the second stage. And the second one is contempt. Contempt is when you begin to have just disgust for your spouse. There's a lot of eye rolling. Every time they're talking, there's a lot of eye rolling. There's a lot of sarcasm. There's a lot of just, you're just smart aleck all the time. Um, When they maybe want to have a a serious conversation, you can't because you're just full of contempt for that person. If you don't handle it at that level, then it goes to level three, which is defensiveness. And defensiveness is this. It's all your fault. You know why we are, we are where we are? It's because of you. 
And defensiveness is, is, is really just blame shifting. Do you know that when Adam and Eve, at the very, think about this, at the very begin of the world, God creates Adam and Eve. There are no children. There's nobody else except some animals and Adam and Eve. And Satan, guess where Satan comes in? And the first thing that he tries to do is bring division between not only them and God, but them and each other. Because you know, after they sin and God shows up on the scene and God says, Adam, why? Why did this happen? And what does Adam do? That woman, that woman you gave me. And she's like, oh, no, you didn't. Uh uh nuh uh no. And so she goes and blames Satan. And listen, and they all blame other people, but they don't realize that the war is within. And so if you're defensive, you're defensive, you're, 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 your mechanism of not wanting to take ownership over your part is because you just feel like you can justify it by blaming them for all theirs. But you've got to take credit for yours. And then last but not least, uh, uh, but not least is, is stonewalling. Stonewalling. Stonewalling is, is literally where you just get to a point where you don't care anymore. Like I just, I'm done. I'm done. You've literally built a wall. And there's no breaking it down. But God can. God can. And so, real quick, just in this moment, I I want us to be as still as possible. Because this is a real serious moment right here. Um, So, no, we can hold the binders for a minute, if you don't mind. Some of you are in stage four here. Some of you are in stage three. Some are in stage two. Some are in stage one. Some of you are doing great. And we're thankful for that. But here's how we get out. Here's how we have a from this, from this day forward moment right here. It's humility. I, I want us to do this right now. I, would you just close your eyes where you are? I, I, I don't want any distractions. I want to read a verse to you. But I don't want you just to hear this verse. I want you to let this verse resonate in your heart. You want to know how we fix this? How do we fix broken relationships? God gave us the way. And it's found in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. You don't have to look in your notes. I'm going to read it to you. I just want you to just do some inventory right now. As I read this, I want you to, I want you to hear it with open ears. And this is what it says. It says, And all of you, dress yourself in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Let me read it one more time. Just just let this kind of soak in. All of you, dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And as your eyes are closed, I just want want you to hear me on this. The Bible's very clear that if we walk in pride, it's not me, it's you. I don't have a problem. I can fix this. It's not that big of a deal. That if we walk in pride, that God will resist us. He won't hear your prayers. He won't respond to the things that you ask of him. Because your pride is resisting him. But on the flip side of it, God says, listen, if you'll just clothe yourself... Dress yourself with humility. Meaning, God, I, 
you know what, I'm going to take, take ownership for this. If I'll just own it, the Bible says that God gives grace, abundant grace. And with our heads bowed right now, in this honest moment, I believe God wants to have a from this day moment for many of your marriages. And if you would be honest, and men, this starts with you. But if you would be honest with God, be honest with yourself, and you'd say, Pastor Josh, listen, I've, I've walked in pride in my marriage and my relationships. And you can be single or married, doesn't matter. But I've walked in pride. And you know what? I'm, I, need to, I need to dress myself in humility. I want the grace of God to help me. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right there where you are? I want to pray for you. Come on, there's hands going up all over this place. Come on, let's just be honest. God, I clothe myself in humility towards, towards one another. You can put your hand down right there where you are. I just want to pray for you. Father, I pray, Lord, for every hand that's just been raised. God, dozens and dozens of hands that have been up. God, people being honest in this moment. Being honest. God, I've done it my way. I've walked in pride. But from this day forward, I want to dress myself in humility. That every day I wake up and dress myself in humility towards my spouse, towards my children, towards all those relationships that are around me. And God, your word promises that when we will do that, that you'll give us grace. Grace. Not because we earned it. Not because we deserve it. But because you give it graciously and generously to us. So God, I pray for courage right now for men and women in this place that need to step up and, and apologize. God, your word says that, that we confess our sins to you for forgiveness, but we confess our sins to one another for healing. And God, today you want to heal marriages. And so I pray that men and women in this place would be bold enough to acknowledge and admit where they have failed. They'll own their mistakes and that you would give grace in those marriages and in those relationships. God, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, just with your eyes staying closed, I, I, I want to do this just for one more minute. If your relationship with God is not where it needs to be, the truth is you can't have a great relationship unless your relationship with God is right. No horizontal relationship works unless the vertical relationship is right. And that's our relationship with God. That's us getting our hearts right with God. And there's those of you in here, maybe you have been living your life your way. And today God is offering you a chance to not only be born again, but to give you a new heart, new desires, to forgive you of sin, to not only live with him in heaven for all eternity, but to give you life here on earth, that you can experience life. And if that's you in here in this place and you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus, and you say, Pastor Josh, would you just pray for me? I want to surrender my heart today to God. If that's you, would you just raise your hand all across this room? Come on, there's hands going up all over. Thank you, thank you. I see your hands there. I see yours. Anybody else? Come on, I see it. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you for being honest. Well, can you just pray this with me together? We're just going to all pray this. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to pay for my sins. Today, I acknowledge my need for you. I surrender to your will and to your ways. Today, I repent of doing things my way. Today, forgive me. Give me a new start. Thank you for cleansing my sins. Give me a new identity and a new purpose. 
I commit from this day forward to live fully for you in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, amen, amen.